All right. Hey, Courtney. Hey, Tom. Ready to meet Zoosmell Poop Lord? Hell yeah, I am. This is Podstuck. Hello everyone, this is Podstuck. My name is Tom. And my name is Courtney. And we are back again, and we're actually going to get into it this time. Uh, First off, before we do, I just want to say thank you all so much for the incredible response we got after launching our pilot uh, a couple weeks back on 413. We are super excited to see everyone being as excited as we are, and uh, we've got some really big plans. We've actually been getting a bunch of questions about when this is going to be available on different platforms. And uh, right now we are uh, now searchable and everything on iTunes, and you can go over there and subscribe and leave us a review and a rating and all that kind of fun podcasty stuff. We're also going to be getting up on Google Play and a couple other things soon, so keep an eye on our social media for that. Real fast plug at the top, we are on Twitter at Podstuck, we're on Tumblr at podstuckcast and you can email us at podstuck at gmail.com we're gonna be looking for uh, notes and thoughts and stuff as we read through the uh comic but also actually to get us started off right now we do have our very first listener email courtney you want to read that for us i sure would tom so uh my dear friend james dickerson emailed us and uh james wanted to say I feel like this is entirely what you intended, that the word association bit gave me a long series of very vivid flashbacks. And the good news is, yeah, that is pretty much what we intended, so I'm pretty happy with that. So, Courtney. So, Tom. Let's just take it from the top. Page one, Homestuck. A young man stands in his bedroom. It just so happens that today, the 13th of April, 2009, is this young man's birthday. Though it was 13 years ago he was given life, it is only today he will be given a name. What will the name of this young man be? Courtney, tell me all your thoughts about this very first page. Um, I have no thoughts other than that. I don't know. He just seems scared. He seems scared. Like, he knows what's about to happen and the rest of us don't. And I feel like he's telling me that I should be scared. And I think Um, you should. it makes me feel like I can enter a name and it's going to be like a, you know, like choose your own adventure. Um but it's it, it's not and I and, and that makes me sad. That's fair. Yeah. Um one thing that you'll kind of like realize that I'd actually kind of uh wanted to talk about was the fact that it really sets up the reader as like the character slash the player and making it seem like you have control and then you just 1000% do not which like I feel like it's just a really deep metaphor for adult life. You know what I mean? It's just like... Yes, I I agree. And it it was very, like, unsettling for me. Because I kept thinking it was interactive. And, like, I was like, oh, enter name. Like, I was going to give him, like, I'll call him, him, like, Timmy. And, like, I was going to... I don't know. I I wanted to, like, click around. And you know those, like, games... Where it's just like an empty room and you kind of hover over all the objects and like there's a story or something behind them. And I kept trying to do that and it wasn't happening and it made me mad. I'm very sorry you were let down so early in this. All right. So, yeah, I mean, the good news is it does give you a choice all throughout. Just the choice is always just one option. But, you know, you get to make you get to click that. You get to choose to uh, either click the next page or click the X on your browser. So, like, you have some power here. Or just choose to give up entirely. Which is usually my choice in adulthood. Yeah, I get that. Alright, so when we get to examine his room. Now, taking a look at uh, the room and this description here. Uh, do you have any thoughts so far on just what we should expect out of this young man? One, I hate the way that it's it's written. It makes <laughs> me feel stressed out. Like it's yelling at me. Like, your name is John! As it was previously mentioned, it is your birthday! And uh, <laughs> that gives me anxiety, just for obvious reasons. Being shouted at by a computer would make anyone nervous. But I hate See, that they say that he loves terrible movies, but like some of these movies are good movies. And I'm willing true. to fight for that belief. Yeah. 
And see, now that you mention that it seems like screaming, I'm just reading this intro in the cadence of Nick Cage himself. And I think that just picturing him as the narrator of this tale is kind of a beautiful thing. You know, now, uh, on on further thought, like, maybe that was the intention all along, was that I believe it. Nick like, Cage you, is our humble narrator. He's right there in the back. This could be foreshadowing right there. I think you're right. Yeah, see, what I really enjoy about this is, like, it's kind of taking me back in a way where I'm remembering a couple things, like John's uh, passion for bad movies and also the fact that he is, like, an amateur magician, but I also definitely forgot some of these things about him like I forgot that he's a computer programmer even if he's not good at it as he says so himself and I forgot that he's like super into paranormal shit even though a his username is ectobiologist and b his shirt is slimer from ghostbusters like I should have kept that bit of information with me but I somehow just totally forgot it over the years well, his his computer background is also Slimer, and it, it was like a point where I was like trying to recognize what it was from, and I, was, I like it clicked that it was like, oh, that's Ghostbusters. But then I was really embarrassed because I couldn't think of his name. So in somewhere deep in my internet web history is Green Guy Ghostbusters name, and I was very embarrassed about that. Now, how many pictures of Shrek did that pull up? You know, probably only one or two. That's impressive. Most searches bring up a lot more than that. Alright, now, you were very distressed when we first looked at these characters about their lack of arms, so what do you think about his kind of quest to retrieve his arms at this point? I think the man that wrote this is an evil genius and knew that we would all be upset and peeved about the fact of his lack of arms, and then you go to the page and it's like, oh, quickly retrieve arms, and you're like... Ah, uh, I see. And then, then then, you click the next screen and he's got arms. And you're like, I've been bamboozled. Yeah, I mean, like, you just got ultimately pranked. And it really kind of establishes that the characters do have arms, but it's just an artistic decision. I was actually reading through, hold on, give me like half a second to reach my long arm over here. So as I may have mentioned uh, last time we recorded, I actually have the uh, first two editions of the Homestuck book. And that's like the old ones, not the brand new ones that are now being sold in Barnes and Noble and all that, which is still wild to me. But um, it actually like has author's notes. And one of the things that he uh, talks about in the notes right there is, um, where did this go? Oh yeah, so he has a quote in the footnote here of, uh, there will forever be a class of people that struggle to understand the idea that form may be simplified through stylization, which in some cases results in missing appendages, and these people will be mocked in my cartoons forever and ever. So he just, like, I guess just maybe doesn't like drawing arms, and he just has decided to make that his entire shtick, and I respect the fact that instead of being like, yeah, this is kind of weird of me, he's like, no, you're all the chumps. I guess that really is admirable, because I know so many artists that struggle with, like, drawing hands and you know life hack just don't draw them i mean that's true that's a really good hack all right now uh you are very quickly introduced to the inventory system here with the capture log just what are your first kind of impressions of that as a mechanic for this comic i am not like it it's that's like the first thing that kind of threw a wrench in my perception of what homestuck is because that's like a video game, right? That reminds me of, right. like, Minecraft. I don't know video games, okay? So don't laugh at me for comparing this to Minecraft. But that's, well, like, Minecraft literally the only thing game. I know. And I was like, well, is this, a, like, a video game? Is this a simulation? Is this... I'm... I just don't... Nah. I, I'm just struggling to wrap my brain around the reality of this world. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being real, there's definitely some, like, weird levels of meta with this. And in those uh, footnotes I mentioned before, he does kind of talk about the fact that he introduced a bunch of uh, mechanics and things right off the bat that didn't necessarily all pan out. That being said, you have seen far from the last of the capture log system. But um, he said that he treats the first part of Act 1, which is uh, the exact amount that we're going to be covering today, as sort of a tutorial for the reader on how Homestuck works. And then the second half of Act 1, which will be the next episode, as a tutorial for how uh, Sburb or Sburb or however you want to pronounce it works as the game. So, like, right now we're going to be getting a lot of things like this uh, inventory system thrown at us 
just so we are like informed here of what this world is going to be well i thought it was really clever but like really like tiresome how he like made it kind of a punchline in like later pages was like it was funny and i like some of the like the the goofs like were things that like i thought was funny but i was like damn that's like that took him a while to set up all right now uh after his first encounter with the inventory system we get the very fun command of uh, John, squawk like an imbecile and shit on your desk. Which he very nearly does. The polished surface of his desk beckoned to him. And I don't know about you, but I just consider that a very realistic and relatable impulse. Well, my my genuine first thought was like, oh, mood. Because like that's that's straight up like on the same level as my intrusive thoughts. I was like... Okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah, um, apparently, uh, for the majority of the first act of Homestuck, uh, Hussey actually took, uh, like, all of the commands from each page are actual things he took from suggestions in his forums. And uh, Squawk Like an Imbecile and Shit on Your Desk apparently was actually not just a, a suggestion from the forums, but it came from a, like, fan adventure that someone was making of one of his things about, like, a bird man, and that was just a command in there they actually went with, and he just stole that straight up for his own comic. And then, um, it becomes kind of a running gag, this, uh, formula of blank like a blank and blank on your blank, and you're gonna see it, like, a lot through here where just, like, when you least expect it, someone's gonna want to shit on something. Andrew Hussey, you rat bastard. You rat bastard. Alright, now let me see. I've got notes here, and one of them just says Nick Cage influence from Con Air poster, and I just want to kind of figure out what I meant with that exactly. Well, you know what? That's the one that's like over his bed. Yeah, Con Air. And it's, it's like Big Brother to me. Like he's just watching and then like... He's That's just fair, yeah. there, surveying you, everything. Yeah, yeah. If you like, get over towards uh, page twenty. It's got a nice little zoom in, and Nick Cage is just like delivering major bedroom eyes. You wonder why this man has this poster above his bed. Then the dramatic well, phrase who, of "Put the bunny back want in the box." That poster of Nick Cage over their bed. In all fairness. Yeah, I got nothing there. Yeah. All right. Uh, so. As we move forward, uh, we find that John, after talking about this video game he was so excited about and being about to eat cake, his computer starts going off and he gets a message on Pester Chum. Now, take a look at Pester Chum and we uh, get our first glimpse into the way that the majority of communication for the next while is going to go down. So, just looking at the client there, what do you think about it? I don't understand this is just a a small nitpicky thing why it doesn't automatically show the the pester log like it has a little animation and then i would think that it shows i that's just a small thing but like yeah i don't know this is is just like skype like how we used to back in my day when we used to talk to people we would just skype all the time right yeah, um, like, you know, in the animation gives that, like, first line or something, you can actually go down there, which uh, really kind of comes in handy later on, because some of these pester logs will go on for ages. Ooh. Um, yeah, so before getting into kind of the contents of that first chat log, uh, first off, I just want to point out the mood list, where you get to set your status of a chummy, palsy, chipper, bully, peppy, or rancorous. And I just love that kind of variety. I really feel like it kind of encapsulates humankind i think rancorous is is a mood that we don't often appreciate for what it is but is a mood that i often feel and i appreciate i appreciate that little tidbit yeah now looking at the uh chum handles here we see his is ectobiologist and he has friends on his chum role named turntech godhead tentacle therapist and guarding gnostic do you have any thoughts on any of these names anything kind of speak to you yeah, tentacle therapist. The word tentacle yep. instills a primal fear in me, and I, yeah. I can't nail down where that comes from. But I am afraid. No. 
Yeah, and then there's kind of the uh, subtle little thing of like, you know, if you take away the first syllable of therapist and then just kind of put the two words together from there, it's got a nice little Easter egg hidden in there. All right, so we open up this pester log and it is the very first conversation with TG, Turntech Godhead, and I'm noticing uh, that the first line here is one of my most quoted lines. I say it on like every single birthday, Christmas, holiday, whatever, and until we did this reread, I kind of forgot that it was Homestuck. But, um, hey, so what sort of insane loot did you rake in today kind of became my, like, catchphrase of give me the rundown on your goodies. I think that's one of the things that's, like, so intimidating about Homestuck is that there's so many of these, like, little weird, like innocuous sayings that are from homestuck that like you apply in real life and like one of the innocents like me like won't understand and will participate in and right. will be complicit in homestuck crimes and that's, oh yeah that's something that always fear like always upset me right it's like you, i never knew when i was participating in the homestuck and when i was safe yeah so hussy kind of said himself that all of his uh comics on ms paint adventures are uh, mute comics so there's no like verbal dialogue and instead it's kind of delivered in this way through chat logs and things like that for the most part so what are your thoughts on using this as like the vehicle for people actually talking to each other um it's kind of interesting because i don't know when when you're writing a book like if there's too much dialogue like it gets overwhelming but like this is how like people talk to each other this kind of like quick back and forth it's not really polished all the time it's not all like concise like it comes out in like little blurbs and like separate thoughts if that makes sense so like definitely i think that's really interesting yeah and i mean like not to uh i promise i'm not going to always be just regurgitating chunks out of uh Hussey's comments himself, but this uh, specific conversation about the bottle of apple juice, which I hope the uh, verbal quotes were very clear on, um, it's actually a real, almost word-for-word conversation that he himself had with one of his friends. And, like, his original plan for the comic was to make the majority of chat logs be his actual real chat logs. And then that he chickened out about that and only did that for one other uh, chat, which I'll point out when we get to it later on. But yeah, it's like this beautiful conversation about whether or not a man pissed in his apple juice is 100% real. I think it's a conversation we all have once it in is. our life. Li- yeah. Live? Lives. <laughs> Alright, uh, so Turn Tech Godhead, what do you think just off of this first conversation? Um, Very self-assured um i don't know maybe like it's it's they're very believable like teenagers like 13 year olds or whatever right um they just seem like kids that are like trying to seem cool like they both do but in different ways yeah all right um so now you go on a little bit we're on page 27 and there is a line of just pure poetry that i feel really kind of uh person not personifies it really kind of exemplifies the beautiful writing homestuck gets to be known for and that's uh hanging from the tree is your tire swing in a kid's yard a tree without a tire swing is like a proper gentleman without a monocle that is to say he can hardly be considered a terribly proper gentleman at all I just love the drama that there is in that simultaneous praise of a tire swing and roast of a gentleman. And then if you go on to the next, uh, you get a uh, another fun quote. The little red arm swingy dealy thing, or whatever it is called, is flipped up. What the hell is that thing called anyway? You do not have time for these semantics. The red flippy lever thing means you have new mail, and that means the beta might be here. Now, do you see the problem with this? Yeah, the 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 red flag up means that there's mail in there that needs to be taken out. It 1000% does. So I'm not sure whether this was oversight or another artistic choice like missing arms or what, but this just kind of like really screams at me whenever I read it. I do like that in this um, this picture he has eyebrows. That's fun. Little yeah. baby eyebrows. Yeah, just little things. Little dudes right there. Little babies. 
Now, uh, when we look at uh, John's CD rack, uh, if you hover over it, it's honestly just links to all of Hussey's other projects, which you'll see a lot of that self-referential kind of thing all throughout. Oh, now, you can hover over it. See, I just thought it was glowing green for some reason. Gotcha. The more you know. Yeah. Yeah, so like a lot of these panels are going to be interactive. And like later on, I think we mentioned before that it does actually get into actual flash games. So there will be a lot of like interaction right there, but sometimes you get to hover over things and it'll be fun. Now, uh, next up, John picks up uh, Colonel Sassaker's daunting text of magical frivolity and practical japery. And uh, last time we talked, you felt very certain that Colonel Sassaker was literally just Mark Twain. Was that correct? Uh, I'm still convinced it's Mark Twain. The good news is Hussey confirmed that, so we're all good on that front. Now, what are your thoughts on how the uh, inventory system is just integrated into real life to the point where, like, a child cannot pick up a book, but instead this abstract third party watching over him absorbs it into a catalog? I, like I said, I don't understand it, but I admire it for the fact that he, he commits to it for the bit, and I appreciate the commitment to the bit. And then John's having a rough day, so he goes ahead and he changes his mood to bully because he wants to save Rancris for a day that really kind of warrants that kind of mood. Now, uh, for those listeners who may not have read this yet or looked at it or anything like that, Every single mood besides Bully has, or every single mood besides Rancris has the exact same face and the exact same emotional pull. So that's kind of the fun little thing there. All right, now moving on, uh, John starts to work with his Strife Specibus. And looking at the Kind Abstrata, he decides on Hammerkind. Now, this is going to be his weapon for the foreseeable future. And I just kind of wanted to go over some of these options before I ask your thoughts on them. I just want to go ahead and kind of like, you know, hit up what I think are the best uh, strife specibus or kind abstratus. Uh, pizza cutter kind, of course, is a beautiful one to use in combat. Uh, I have a pizza cutter who's just a small Italian man and he would assist me at all costs, I know. Also, I am a big fan of yo-yo kind as well as glove kind, because at that point you can just kind of pull it off and slap someone to challenge them to a duel, and then by that point you've exhausted all of your options, which has a certain pull to me. Fancy Santa kind is always a very fun one. Umbrella kind for the uh, Mary Poppins classifier, And puppet kind, which really comes into play when you find out later on that Jeff Dunham is actually the main antagonist of Homestuck. None of these words make sense to me. So the kind abstratus is what kind of weapon you're using. So if you choose plunger kind, you're using plungers. If you choose peppermill kind, you're just kind of going to town using a peppermill. The uh, and those are different kinds of kind abstratus. Now your strife specibus is your kind of like combat loadout, basically which is where your kind of stratus goes and where like, your weapons are. And it's just kind of like, you know, what you pull out when it's fighting time. That being said, I don't expect that to make anything make more sense to you. Nope. Uh, pretty much have uh, my eyes have glassed over. I'm thinking about mac and cheese right now. I respect that. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, as you go along, things are going to kind of get better. Now... I want to take a second and examine Game Bro, which is really the peak of writing in this comic. So, Courtney, can I get you on a page 42 to just kind of give us a reading, just pick a few random lines here and there, and just hit us with a dramatic retelling of Game Bro's feature on Esperb. Okay. Here's my best uh, bro voice. At this point, I'd like to give a shout-out to my boy Dennis, who was over the other day. We were going to chill in front of the Dark Knight, and he was so psyched of it, y'all. So this time he was, like, leaning against the screen door, and the shit popped open, and the back deck was wet, and he slipped on the steps and broke his thumb on the lawn. It wasn't a long fall, but I guess, like, a thumb bone wasn't meant for supporting the brunt of a huge loose's tool against wet grass. I turned somehow, like, um, like a weird southern. 
Yeah, and I enjoyed um, that. Please but, continue. But my favorite line, and it is the pièce de résistance. But it's cool. I still got another uh, another watch me bro tell Rwanda. It's Classic. Class and highbrow humor, and I love it. Also, um, when you're reading this, do you pronounce it esperb or suburb? I've been saying esperb. Awesome. That's kind of what I've been going with verbally. In my brain, I've always said suburb, like suburb, but kind of speedier. Um, so I'm not really sure what the proper idea is for that. And while I welcome listener emails, I would rather not just have an inbox full of discourse on the proper pronunciation. Now, uh, John puts on, frankly, a flawless clever disguise and leaves his room. Now, on page 47, he steps out into the hallway and you see a picture of Michael Sarah himself. See him up there, he's wearing that same disguise, and that convinces you that it must be a perfect disguise, right? Well, the man, the myth, the legend, you know? Now, he see, can do no wrong. It's true, but here's the thing is, this man can do wrong. I found out last night that actually isn't Michael Sarah. It isn't? It is not Michael Sarah. Apparently, it was just one of the first pictures that comes up when you Google Beagle Puss glasses, which I also didn't know was the proper name for this uh, disguise. And he just went with it, and it just happens to look exactly like Michael Sarah. Well, I guess Dad was right. Yeah. Here I was, just like, okay, so it's just the walls of clowns. I didn't even question it. But apparently, yeah. Now, once you go downstairs, John is uh, greeted with... Uh, the sense of his arch-nemesis, Betty Crocker, who you were so sure was just going to be a kind, nice, grandmotherly figure here. But no. Do you I'm feel betrayed? I'm still convinced Betty Crocker's a kind, nice grandmother. And, uh, and, and John's just ungrateful and, uh, frankly, a piece of shit. All right, fair enough. I, uh, now, I had to, like, click on the Betty Crocker thing. Turns out she's not real. But she does make delicious boxed, boxed cakes. And I think that, uh... John should eat those cakes because it's his birthday, and that's what you do on your birthday. Hold on. I I haven't clicked on that link. Are you telling me Betty Crocker's not a real person? No, Betty Crocker's a fraud. Okay, Betty Crocker was made up by Big Box Cake. It's just some name that they used to sell their things, and they just hire different actresses randomly to play her. Holy shit. I can't believe Betty Crocker's a cryptid. I I really... I believed in her all these years. Um, it's like a... It really was, really was earth-shattering for me. This is a live breakdown, folks. Listen carefully and you can hear my soul shatter. Anyway, next up on page 49, we get to one of my favorite quotes in history. As John is looking over the shelves of fanciful harlequins, sometimes at night you pray for burglars. That one did get me. I did laugh at that. Just something about the calm resignment. Now, also, uh, we do get over here to a Mark Twain quote just for you. The moon's an errant thief, and her pale fire she snatches from the sun. What are your thoughts on Mark Twain, who you are almost certain said that? Okay, I know Mark Twain didn't say that. And that that was the thing that got me. Is like, every time a quote went down, I was like, well, damn, this ain't real. Yeah, this is actually a Shakespeare quote from Timon of Athens, and uh, apparently there is not a single, single properly attributed quote in the entirety of this story. Yeah, I had to do that. I had to do that with a lot of the quotes, because, like, some of them are, like, interesting quotes. I don't like this one, but there was, like, a... There was one in in a few few pages that I was like, oh, I kind of like that quote. And I was like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. It's from a different author. Yeah, and, like, that's the thing, too, is, like, the authors that they're attributed to are always, like, authors of repute who you could believe. But nope. Then he uh, goes ahead and he tosses the uh, recycled asbestos game bro in the fire. He looks at uh, the sacred urn of Nana's ashes, and you are greeted with the kind of skimmed-over history of Nana's demise, which involved a tall bookshelf, a ladder, and an unabridged Colonel Sassikers which your father never wants to talk about. Now, uh, he goes over, and of course he knocks over the urn, which feels like just an entire trope all in itself, and Grandma's all over the floor. 
Yeah, it would only be like slightly more cliche if like a a cat walks up and pees in it. Yeah, or if like he's kind of knelt down and like rolled it up into a blunt and went, this one's for you, Gma, and then smoked it like a cigarette. The audible sigh that just came from my girlfriend at that joke of mine um, speaks volumes. Now, uh, John's dad leaves him a very large present with a very reassuring message of, Champ, you can do anything if you put your mind to it. I believe in you. And so if you were just go off of that note there, what kind of thing would you expect to find inside this package? Like a skateboard or like a a computer because he likes to code things. Okay, so a computer to pursue his dreams of uh, programming, or like a skateboard, because his dad's like, "Hell yeah, son, get over I don't and know. do what those sick, nasty moves like on the ramp." Internet porn. Wow, yeah, um, but no, it's just a uh, life-size Harlequin doll, which is larger than he is by far, and I really feel like his reaction of "Oh hell no" is pretty much the right reaction. I think it's kind of fun. I think it's a little whimsical. John cleans up his mess by seamlessly capture-logging the ashes and merging them with the urn, and no one will be none the wiser, except maybe for people with eyes. He goes back to his room, Pester Chum's acting up, we examine the third and fourth walls to find even more terrible movie posters, including uh, Face Off, which is a personal favorite because, wow, is that movie just a lot. Are you familiar with the uh, film Face Off, Courtney? Um, I, I'm not. I'm familiar with the sci-fi television show Face Off, and that's about it. So Face Off stars John Travolta and Nick Cage. and A, a duo for the ages. Oh, without a doubt. And John Travolta is a hardcore, hard police officer. And Nick Cage is a crazed mob man or something along those lines. And Nick Cage killed John Travolta's kid years ago or something like that. And uh, Nick Cage dies, and or he's in a coma, and John Travolta needs to go undercover as Nick Cage in order to find a bomb, and to do so, he takes Nick Cage's face off and puts it on his own. This is where Cage really stretches that, his acting chops, because at this point, he's now playing John Travolta playing Nick Cage. So he's running around as the hard detective in the body of the hard criminal, and then, partway through, Cage's character recovers from the coma and demands that the crazed surgeon from the FBI puts Travolta's face onto his body. And so then, Travolta is also stretching his chops, acting as Cage, acting as Travolta. And so then, there's still the same two dudes fighting, but this time, they're different dudes. Are you still there? Did you go to bed? No, I can still hear you. Oh, I was hoping not. All right, now looking <laughs> at um, John's first chat with Tentacle Therapist, I'm going to go ahead and ask once more for your thoughts, uh, your just very first impressions from this very first snippet of conversation. This one's a little, little weird. Tentacle Therapist is very, like, business, like the like the full punctuation proper proper grammar and like words are capitalized we're using proper like not parentheses what's the word apostrophes um very business very straightforward no nonsense right now this does include a a snippet of conversation that i feel a very personal uh, one might say i am akin to this bit of dialogue oh god no i can't put that in yeah you're Um, arrested for that yeah, all right. Um, I could edit that out, but I know I'm not going to, realistically. I'm going to live in that shame. Anyway, there's a snippet of conversation here that I just feel really has to be what it's like to deal with me. John. What? You're wearing one of your disguises now, aren't you? You're typing to me right now while wearing something ridiculous. No, why would you even think that? That's so stupid. Okay. Why don't you go get the game from your father? All right, wish me luck. Oh, BTW? JK, I was wearing funny disguise this whole time. Gotcha. He 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 he. I know, John. And I just, I know that that is too real of an experience for anyone who has to deal with me. Specifically anyone 
who has to deal with me on a daily basis. This one goes out to you, Lauren. I'm so sorry for the way that I am. Love you, baby, one time. <laughs> Excuse me? I don't know. That's just what happened in my brain. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and say we move on to page 71, where uh, we go into John's dad's study. Now, uh, this kind of gives a lot of insight into the man, by which I mean a lot of terrifying sights of clown things. If we go to examine the desk, uh, there is uh, playing cards, pipes, serious jester magazine, which I don't know if it would be better or worse if that was a porn magazine instead of something genuine, as well as a stray capture log card, which kind of continues to blur that line between what is the game and what is not and how meta is this thing going to go. There is also a can of peanuts on the desk. Haha, <laughs> oh dad, you won't be falling for that one again anytime soon. A severe peanut allergy is a terrible affliction to cope with, so I think that John's dad has tried to kill him in the past. You know, I think that's a theory we can really, we can really unpack. We can, but let's not. But will we? So no, no, no. I I already made that decision. We're good. Uh, now so then uh, we move along. He amps up his costume game. He plays a very sad song on the piano which is the uh, introduction of sound in this comic, which you'll be seeing a lot. He plays a very fun game. Uh, it's like advanced solitaire, but instead he just throws the cards in the air and plays pick up 52 on his own. And now he's going to go off and check the mail. He walks by the uh, TV playing the commercial for high C ecto cooler, which is nice. And then he exits the house. At this point, he is no longer stuck in the home. That ends the story as well as our podcast. Courtney, do you have any final thoughts on this? You know, it's been a it's been a long ride. I'm I'm really glad we got to experience this together. I know we've definitely uh, grown closer as friends. Thank you all for listening, uh, and good night. Yeah. yeah, catch us for our next project where we're going to go through the very start of of the Bible of the Bible, and we're going to really kind of get into our fan theories and talk a lot about our ships and you know our no tps for the fandom and we're just going to really dive deep into it yeah, that was a good jesus bit fandom. hashtag jesus fandom so john goes to check the mail and it's just a very dramatic moment the streets are empty wind skims the voids keeping neighbors apart as if blah 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 this man wait is no I, I actually up. really enjoyed that moment i thought it was very beautiful okay tell me about it talk to me i, I well like as soon as the sound started coming in i like really started enjoying it i was like oh i like this like i thought the like the ambiance created by like the you know the sound of the wind and like the creaking of the swing i don't know if i just uh, put it that in there but it was like very like peaceful and it sounded like like if you just went outside and laid on the grass um on yeah the, you know on any day in the suburbs and i i thought that was really interesting and really cool yeah and i mean i was being a bit facetious about it but honestly the writing on this page on page 82 by the way for those uh, reading along um it really is kind of like uncharacteristically pretty for lack of a better word you know like it's very well written and then we get back into the typical you know pee jokes and that sort of thing but i really do genuinely enjoy this page for its writing so then we get the command john leave a surprise for the mailman so he turds in the mailbox and walks away as we all have done once or twice once or twice yeah not more than that never more than that so we see that John uh, has a package for himself in the car. He also looks through the kitchen and sees another package. That package, he sees the Spurb logo on it. I'm going to be going back and forth on that. He can't get in through the window, so he goes back the long way through the house. And as he enters the kitchen, hoping his clever disguise works, he is confronted by the fact that his dad has been waiting all along. And the costume didn't work for shit. All right, now page 90 has our first instance of strife. Courtney, what do you think about these beautiful strife mechanics? Um, I had to do it like seven times because there's words that appear very fast and I can't see what they are. And uh, 
I gotta, I gotta admit, I don't quite understand it. Like, uh, like Coddle Brand I don't, and I don't, uh, Dote Smite? Yeah, it's just part of the world that I, I'm, I'm not quite on board with yet. That's fair. Yeah, but when I guess Jean... we've all had those situations where we, uh, you know, our parent is giving us a birthday cake and, and we hit them with a hammer. Yeah, you know, we gotta. Yeah, when uh, you give John the command to grieve and uh, his dad responds with an auto pastry, it's apparently a play that uh, Hussey does a lot on Otto Perry, which came from one of his earlier comics. I want to say Bard's Tale, but I'm not certain. Might be uh, Problem Sleuth. But uh, so we're going to find a lot of uh, twisted versions of the phrase Otto Perry. So just be prepared for that and know that even if it doesn't seem like a joke, it's a funny one. <laughs> but it is. So John gets fucking pyrect, basically. His, uh,. Costume takes the brunt of it as he says, but then he does wind up losing the costume as a result of the pie. And then, after all the buildup, the smoke pellets are ejected from the deck, and Chekhov's gun misfires, and absolutely nothing happens. Or does it? Dun dun dun. Yeah, he throws out the giant ass book, and then it's the smoke pellets. And then he flees. Or, to use the proper parlance, absconds. Now, he steals uh, Dad's PDA, and he's planning a major prank to get back at him and, uh, like, you know, swap in the background or something like that. And, as Hussey points out, nothing ever comes of that, and it is one—it is his one largest regret in this comic. So, let's just take a second, Courtney, and what do you think would be a really funny thing for him to have changed the background to? Let's just do Hussey's job for him and tie up that loose end, and just what do you think it should have been? Um, I, I have this really good photo saved onto my computer of, uh, of Caillou edited to have, uh, Guy Fieri's hair. And oh, that's we beautiful. call him Guy Fieri. And I think, I, I think that's really the pinnacle of, uh, of humor in, uh, in the year 2018. Yeah. I'll, although this was See, written in I... 20, what, 2013. So, um, I guess it's probably a little too ahead of its time. See, I, uh, personally, if it was me, I would have just made it a picture of a smaller PDA so he thought his phone was shrinking in his hands. So there's some fun shenanigans where John combines two cakes and fills them with razors and such. He goes into the bathroom and has some fun in there, looking outside at his Slimer Pogo game. Pogo game? Pogo toy? Pogo lawn fixture? I don't know what we want to call that. There's a lot, uh, like you mentioned before, of kind of tediousness of how uh, John has to go through the uh, uh, Silidex so much and just like you know go item to item in order to get things that he wants and I do agree that there's a lot to that but that being said I am a sucker for the slapstick payoffs of just things being launched with reckless abandon out of the windows yeah that's what I was saying is like it, it is tedious but I, admi- uh, but I do admire the uh, the commitment. Yeah. Now, on page 110, we get a very brief, if uh, adorable, interaction with Garden Gnostic. And I just want to know if you had to take guesses about their existence from those three lines. Some Garden Gnostic up in three words. Innocent, childish, those are the same word. Um, I'm going to be honest, I get weeaboo vibes, and, uh, really the only, uh, evidence I have is the emoticon that, that, uh, Gigi uses, um, and, and that's really, that's, that's much, that's all that I have to say, weeaboo. Then John goes and opens up MSPaintAdventures.com. Now, this, uh, joke may be a bit outdated at this point. Um, because I don't know if you know, and I don't know if any of us or any of the listeners who are reading this for the first time will know, but Homestuck.com here up until 413 of this year, 2018, actually was MSPaintAdventures.com. It was not Homestuck.com. MSPaintAdventures was the home for all of Hussey's works, and Homestuck was just one of them instead of being the big thing. So the joke is he was logging onto his own website and looking at the comic. So it's like, this is the original name of the side, the original look that it had, and all that fun stuff. Andrew Hussey, you sneaky bastard. Oh, that sneaky bastard. So then he goes and installs the uh, video game, and just 
What the fuck? Now, have you ever watched the Terminator movies? Um, no, I have. N- I've not seen many movies. All right. So in the Terminator movies, which I'm going to pretend I've seen for the sake of imparting this knowledge on you, uh, there is a thing called Skynet, which is, I believe, basically evil Wi-Fi. Um, and this is called Skynet. And so that's supposed to be some kind of ominous foreshadowing slash comedy gold. Now then John goes over and bones up on his data structures and he goes over to a shelf of uh, programming books. Now taking a look at those, do you see any of the... uh, There's three little jokes in there here on page 115. Can you tell any of them? Um... No, I'm dumb as shit. Alright, so first off we're going to look at the one that says cake with a picture of a carrot on top. That little uh, like arrow thingy right there pointing up is apparently technically called a carrot, so the joke is that this programming language is called carrot cake. Um, Next over, the black one with the uh, squiggly line, and then A-T-H. Uh, that is a tilde, and then E-A-T-H. And if you put those together, it spells out till death, which is edgy and fun. And then you go over to D-I-S with the asterisk, dis asterisk, disaster risk. So it's just, you know, little bitty fun things like that. So but like two, really... two edgy ones and one that's yeah. like carrot cake, carrot cake. like nice and uh, frou-frou and like silly. Yeah. Then we look over and we've got data structures for assholes with the quote, I think my rage just crapped its pants by Buckminster Funny Uncle, which is, you know, it's it's a read, I'm sure. But mostly he's just in it for the free fetch modus in the back. Now, here's some more of that needlessly complex inventory stuff, but basically it becomes a thing where he can alter the order in which he gets his items out of his inventory. Now, do you have any thoughts on this? Now, at this point, it's like started pissing me off. Because I was like, just get on with it. I don't want to see this stupid ass fetch modus. Yeah. Then over here on page 120, we have the command John put down Razor, and uh, he just replies, put it down? You're not quite sure you understand. And Hussey owns up that at this point someone suggested it, and he just didn't know what the hell they meant because he wasn't holding a razor, and he just decided to roast them where everyone could see. Now, have you seen the movie Con Air? Tom, you know I haven't seen any damn movies. <sighs> Listen... Con Air is a beautiful tale of a father who loves his daughter and gets on a plane with Steve Buscemi and flies over and hangs out and Steve Buscemi has a tea party and Nick Cage has a bunny rabbit and it's a real tearjerker, okay? So there's a beautiful homage here a beautiful homage, however you want to properly pronounce it uh, when John opens up the red package and he finds a bunny. This is actually the exact bunny uh, from the movie, not just a replica, but the actual prop itself. And it is stinky and authentic. Now, it's very beautiful. And uh, between that and the real Ben Stiller glasses that are mentioned that uh, John got for Turn Tech Godhead earlier on, You can really tell that either these teenagers are super rich, or they just live in a world where these quality actors are incredibly underappreciated. Now, we're getting over here towards the very end of uh, the first half of this act, and we're about to enter the game, but first, John is talking with a tentacle therapist and has a quality conversation that personally really reminded me of just how underrated I feel like tentacle therapist is as a character because of just high-quality lines of just, you know, talking about a rabbit and saying i've heard tales of this wretched creature often its homeric legend is practically ensconced in the fold of my personal mythology now and just turning mundane things into this most ominous lovecraftian bullshit it's just something i do i do love her um what she says she's very like smart and and like funny like very dryly humorous yeah like a lot of my kind of like writing is taking normal things and turn them into like fun happy light things and then uh hers is just taking normal things and turn them into the darkest shit 
then we're going to go ahead and uh, click on to the last page we're going over in this episode, press enter, and we can see that nice little loading screen right there. Now, Courtney, do you have any predictions of what this game is going to be? I mean, it's called Esperb, which obviously is something to do with, like, the suburbs, because it's got that little house thing. But I know that there's trolls somehow, and I don't know how they fit in. And, like, the more I read, I, 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 I get so much more confused. I have no idea how these worlds are going to collide. I promise that things are going to start making more sense, relatively speaking, pretty soon. Now, that is going to do it for what we're covering today. Courtney, how do you feel? Are you a fan of Homestuck so far? I would say I'm a Homestuck skeptic. Uh, All right. It has some things, some aspects I enjoy, some aspects I do not understand. And overall, I, I feel cautious. Is there any question that you have that you are just dying to get answered as we continue reading this? I don't have any questions that wouldn't result in a spoiler. Fair enough. All right. So uh, for the next episode, which, let me look at my calendar, is going to be up on June, no, not June, uh, May 11th. We're going to be reading all the way up to the very end of Act 1. Courtney, I don't want you getting your hopes up. Act 1 is short. They're going to get longer. You're not getting out of here that quickly. God damn it. Good podcasting. All right. Uh, do you have anything that you want to say before we bail? Uh, I would like to say, don't forget to uh, leave us a, a review and give us a little rating. That is a very nice request. It's Those are the two big things that help out with podcasts when they're being launched, is the reviews and the ratings. So if you guys like what you're hearing and you want us to feel that love, you can... Deliver that love to us on iTunes, and you can tell that I'm a professional. Yeah, give us that that those that sweet sweet loving. And if you don't want to, just uh, try and remember to check back every other Friday to see when we post. You can always just subscribe to us on iTunes, or you can follow us on Twitter again at Podstuck. You can follow us on Tumblr at PodstuckCast. You can email us with your thoughts at podstuck at gmail.com. We would love to get your guys' thoughts as you read, get your uh, impressions if you're new, get your nostalgic thoughts if you are old. And, you know, uh, if you have any, like, quick questions, you want to talk with us, you want to get our attention, anything like that, our Tumblr and Twitter are always right there for you as well. Um, I think that's going to do it for us for this week. Courtney, am I forgetting anything? Sounds pretty good to me. Alrighty, in that case, I'm going to go ahead and... I have nothing to say. I was going to say go to sleep, but that... I don't necessarily want to divulge the fact that it's 1.30 in the morning. Alright guys, once again, this has been Podstuck. My name is Tom. And my name has been and will be Courtney. And we will see you guys later. Bye. Bye.